you got your Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, Psalm 103, which is the, 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 the scripture that we've been focusing on in this series is, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, all that is within me, bless His holy name. Some of you know the song, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I love the fact that the psalmist is speaking to himself. He's speaking to his own soul. He goes, hey, soul, bless God. Sometimes we need to tell ourselves what to do. Too many of us are living by our feelings and we need to speak to our soul. Soul, today, you're gonna bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I don't feel like blessing God all the time, but I've got to instruct my soul because that helps me not forget His benefits. How many know there's great benefits walking with God? You know, freedom comes from walking with God. Life comes. Eternity is open to us because we know Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for my relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship I never want to take for granted. This great salvation that you and I have because He paid the price of our sin. We were guilty. He paid the price that we might know God, that we might have full access to God. How good is God? Come on, I'm excited about my relationship with God. I've been walking with God for a long time now, you know, over 40 years 40 years walking with God. And and life with God doesn't get boring. Life with God gets better and better. The Bible says in in Proverbs chapter four, it says the path of the righteous is like the first glimmer of dawn. Some of you haven't seen the sun rise for a long time, but, but it's getting lighter and lighter in the morning. And it's like the first glimmer of dawn, the path of the righteous And it says, and it gets brighter and brighter to the full light of day. Uh, One thing I've found is life with God gets more exciting. Come on, life with God gets better. It gets brighter. And if you're not walking in that, maybe you've gone back in your faith. Come on, let's lay hold of that and say, no, the path of the righteous. I'm righteous not by my own good works. I'm righteous because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. I am the righteousness of God and my path gets brighter and brighter. This is not a time to be bored. This is not a time to be complacent. This is not a time to be apathetic. Come on, the world right now needs an alive church. Uh, the world right now needs a church full of believers who are pursuing God and taking hold of everything that God has for their life. Do I get name into that? Well, we, we know in Proverbs, uh, no, in Luke, should I say, Luke chapter 15 is a story of the, the prodigal son or the lost son. Tonight, I'm gonna focus on act one. Charles Dickens, he said, uh, this story is the greatest short story that's ever been written. Uh, this story is loaded there's so much in it. And, and while it's not real life, there's a lot of life in it. In fact, it's hard not to read this story and, and not find yourself in it. Uh, you can find yourself in it easily. And so we're gonna pick it up again. And in verse 11 of chapter 15 of the book of Luke, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man that had two sons. He had two sons, not one. You know, in fact, many people titled this passage or this parable, the parable of the lost son, but, but the dude here, he had two sons, not one son. And uh, 
the, the parable unpacks. In fact, as I said this morning, it's more about the, the older brother's response. We know how the younger brother responds, but we don't know how the older brother responds. And so get the message. You can get that a little later on. A better title for the story is Two Sons and the Father's Love. There will be a better title anyway. Uh, in verse 11, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man that had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired out to a, hired out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here am I starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, amen. You know, bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. If you want a title for tonight's message, it's A Rude Awakening. A Rude Awakening. Now, I, I got the challenge because I, I get up early and I'm, I'm sort of early riser. It came from my teenage years where I used to do a paper round and had to get up at quarter to the six, uh, six mornings a week. And, and from that moment, you know, I've always been somebody who, who gets up early and wants to get going during the day. But that brings a whole lot of challenges with it, especially when you're married and uh, your partner wants to sleep in because how many know getting ready in the dark can be a challenge? Uh, you can try and be really careful, but I found sometimes the more careful you try and be, the more clumsy you are. Uh, it's like some people want to know, uh, want others to know that you're awake. I, I know some people, it's like when they get up in the morning, they bang the doors, they, they shut things, you know, they make a whole lot of noise because they want others to know how much they're suffering getting up early. Uh, I'm sure some people have some fat, flatmates or family members like that. It's like, oh, I'm getting up earlier than you. You have the opportunity to sleep in and look, I'm working hard here. And so there's some slamming of doors and there's, there's some crashes and there's some bangs. But I, I try to respect my wife. I try my hardest to be careful, but sometimes I trip over things and, and I make a noise and, and I wake her up. It's like sometimes people, you know, on stage, they have to adjust things and, 
and they try and be discreet and, and it's almost like they try and tiptoe across stage rather than just walking normal. You know, it's like, it's like oh, I don't wanna make a noise. I don't wanna disturb anything. But because they're doing that tiptoe across, it actually becomes more obvious to everyone. Uh, have you ever noticed that? Have you been around church for a wee while? I'm sure you've noticed that at, at some point. But, but one thing, you know, we've got to realize is, is, is there's always an alarm in our lives. And, and we need alarms to, to, to wake us up to different things. Uh, back in my day, when it comes to an alarm, there was only one sound for an alarm. You know, that old school digital clock, you know, you didn't get to choose the different sounds that you'd wake up to. There was only one sound, and that sound went, eh, 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 and it was relentless. You, you couldn't sleep through that. You had to do something about it. But today, how many know you can wake up to birds chirping? You can wake up to the, the ocean rolling in. You, you can choose the sound of your alarm. And in fact, today, there's different sounds to notify you for different things. I know that you can even assign different ringtones to, to different people. You know, I, I don't know whether you've done that and, and what you've assigned to the different people in your world, but, but you can do that today. Now, now, here's the thing, though, is the effectiveness of an alarm is in direct correlation to how much you, you want to or you don't want to wake up. In other words, until your desire to hear the alarm outweighs your desire to sleep, it's gonna be ineffective. How many people have ever slept through an alarm before? It's like, you'll be honest here, yeah, I've slept through an alarm. You know, a whole lot of people would say, yeah, I've done that before. It's like, you know, some of you don't even push the snooze button. It just keeps on going and you don't even notice it. But I wanna say in this story, there's a whole lot of alarms and notifications going on. And I really believe there's a lot that we can take out of this because I feel in my spirit, and this is what I feel, is, is God wants to bring about a spiritual awakening in our nation. Not just in our church, but in, in our nation. I believe what God wants to do in this place is gonna be a key and a catalyst to what He does in the nation. You know, and when there's a group of people who are awake in their spirit, who are alive in their spirit, how many know they can change the world? Now, right now, the world's in a desperate place. Uh, there's so much going on in our society. You just need to, to, to tune into the news. There's so much going on. And in a lot of places, the world is just reaping the seeds that have been sown. So many people are going, how's this happening? Why is this happening? Well, if you sow our ideology that lives distant from God and apart from God, how many know you're gonna reap that? You know, the breakdown of the family units. The reason why we're seeing so much carnage in a lot of places is because there's been an unpacking, there's been you know, destructive forces that are trying to take away from what God instituted. And how many know the family unit is part of God's plan? And, and society in a lot of places is asleep. And a lot of people are asleep to how God works. And that's why there needs to be a wake-up call. And a wake-up call comes when we listen and we respond to that alarm. I really believe, number one, that there's a warning alarm going out there. 
See, see, get this. The warning alarm in this story is when the youngest son said this to his father. He said, Father, give me my share of the estate. Give me my share. It's like, give me. It's like, give me. I deserve this. You owe it to me. We're living right now in a generation of people who are consumed with self. It's like, give me. And that's a big warning sign if your life is just all about you. One thing I don't want to build is a church with a whole lot of consumer Christians where they come to church just to have their need met. Come on, where they come to church and as long as church meets my need and it's convenient, I'm there. But the moment I'm challenged, the moment, you know, I'm asked to get involved, I'm out of here. You know, so many people just want a God who fits their construct of what they believe God to be. But God is God. And you can't change who God is. See, initially, all he was after was he was after the Father's hand. Yeah, give me my share. But he had no desire to understand the Father's heart. It's like, give me my stuff, old man. I'm not interested in knowing you. And he goes, I'm out of here. It's like, as long as it's about me, I'm gonna be there. But if you ask me or ask anything of me, I don't recognize love in the form of discipline and responsibility. In other words, I just want a religion that affects my circumstances and my situation, but I don't want any commitments that come from being part of the Father's house. What's it? What's in it for me? See, the whole message of Jesus, what we're gonna understand is about not living for ourselves. It's no longer I that lives. When we give our hearts to Jesus, the me, the I, takes a back seat. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. See, a full life is a life that's concerned about others. It's others focused. In fact, you know, what happens is it's only by having that others focused that we improve ourselves. So many people are focused on improving themselves but you don't do that by being me-centric. The way that you improve yourself is by focusing on others. Come on, if you wanna be a better version of yourself, don't look at yourself, focus on others. You know, we work on ourselves. The, real, the only reason we should work on ourselves is for others. Don't work on yourself for you. Work on yourself so that you can be a blessing to others. And I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter two, it says, have the title of it, Have the Attitude of Christ. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Good question. Is there any encouragement? Is there any benefit from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? They make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. You know, I wonder how much time is spent trying to impress others. But here Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too you must have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. You know, let's 
make sure that we don't just succumb to our flesh. Let, let's let God awaken our spirits. Some of us have lived by our feelings for too long. But living by your feelings is the luxury of good times. I was saying, recently I've been in Slovakia. And, you know, what's going on is the, the war in the Ukraine is next to it. And talking to some mothers and they're really concerned that their husbands and possibly their, their sons are going to be drafted into the army. And they're going to have to fight. Now, a lot of people in New Zealand, they wouldn't even cross their minds that that could ever be a reality going to war. But for those who live in Eastern Europe, that's real right now. That's really real. What's going on there? But how many know when you're in a battle, you don't have the luxury of living by your feelings? Living by your feelings is the luxury of good times. But if you want to awaken your spirit... You've got to actually deny your flesh. You've got to push aside your feelings. Come on. If your spirit's to be open to God, you can't listen to your feelings. So many people say, well, I'm just being real. Well, here's the deal. The most authentic you can be as a believer in Jesus is to believe. We are called believers, not feelers. But so many people are living by their feelings rather than faith in Jesus. And come on, there's an alarm that needs to go off. If our language is all about us and what we're doing and it's all about our life and our problems, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. You're going in a downward downward spiral. How long do you need to go along that path to realize it's not gonna bring life? True life is when you focus on the mission of others and you focus on others. And so there's this alarm that goes off. But the second alarm that goes off in this story is the the GPS alarm. And I know a lot of people today are used to using Google Maps. What will we do without Google Maps? I remember my first time in London, there was no such thing as Google Maps. What you had is you had an A to Z. How many remember old school maps? Anybody old enough to remember old school maps? To get to the place that you're going, it's like you had, to, you had to note the different pages because once you got to the end of a map on one page, it would say go to page 13 and the map would continue on page 13. And then you'd have to go to another page to actually go there and, and, and you would map it out before you left. Today, we just get in the car and we, we say our destination. Uh, we say our destination and, and we just tune out and we listen to Google. But there's times where we get it wrong and that's where Google or other things has to reroute our destiny. You know, some of us, you know, we're going down a pathway that's leading to destruction and there's an alarm that needs to go off because God needs to reroute us. He, he needs to change the direction that we're going on. Here it says, not long after that, the youngest son got together, uh, all he had, and set off, listen to this, for a distant country. And he squandered his wealth on wild living. Now, have you ever been lost and not known you're lost? Yeah, some of you, you know, you make out, you know where you're going. You know, others are in the car and you're saying, yeah, I know, but really you don't. You're just making it up as you go along. Come on, anybody driven with somebody like that? A person who's just making it up as they go along. And some of us are lost, but we won't admit we're lost. The first person you need to be honest with is you need to be honest with yourself. And for you to reach your destination, 
it's so, so important you actually locate yourself. Now, even with Google Maps, you need the GPS, the coordinates. You need it first to locate yourself if you're to get the directions to where you want to go. And there's too many Christians right now, you know, they know God's got a plan for their life. They know there's a destination, but the problem is they can't locate where they are right now. It's like when you go into a shopping mall and you, and you see a map with all the shops because you want to see what shops you're going to. You know, the, on the map they have the, this little dot and on that dot next to it, it says, you are here. And, and until you know where you are, you can't make your way forward. And here this guy, he sets off to a distant country. Some of us right now, we're, we're in the room, but if the truth be known, we're in a distant country. We're, we're, we're not close to God at the moment. See, you can be coming to church, but still not be close to God. See, in some way, in one way or another, all of us can be in a distant country. A distant country can, can be any area in your life where you dismiss God. Come on, right now, where are you in a distant country? It could be that every part of you is in a distant country. Or it could be that a specific area of your life is in a dis, uh, distant country. And what you've got up is you've got a no trespass sign. And, and, and there's a line. And it's like, God, you're not welcome into that space. I'll let you into this space. I'll let you into this space. But this is a no-go no zone. How many know there's no freedom in that? God, where are you in a distant country right now? I, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to locate some people in this place. How we ended up there isn't always clear, but there's many reasons why a lot of people can leave the Father for a distant country. We, we all, we've all left at some point in time because we've all sinned. And sin separates us from God. And sin is the vehicle that takes us to that distant country. See, uh, many travelers to the distant country, uh, what they're doing is they're running away from a God that doesn't exist. See, the perception they have of God doesn't actually match the reality of God. See, there's a real danger that we reject a God that we've created in our minds rather than the God who created us. See, many people today, they, they see God as unreasonable. They see God as a cosmic killjoy. Oh, he's too restrictive, too narrow. They don't see God's boundaries as a, a fence. Well, they see it as a fence that imprisons them rather than a guardrail that protects them. You know, God's laws are there for our benefit. They're there so that we can live a full life. But many people reject God and go, no, I know better. They're not there to hem you in. They're there to protect you and release you into the fullness of what God has for your life. But many people see God as unreasonable. A lot of people see God as unattainable. It's like, oh, God's standards are just too high. I'll never be good enough. So why even try? If you think God is impossible to please, at some point in time, you'll stop trying to please Him altogether. But get this, it's our faith that pleases God. 
It's our faith, not our good works. It's our faith that pleases Him. And some of us have created a God in our mind that doesn't exist. Some of us see God as unmerciful. Some of us see God as angry. That's what we experienced in our upbringing, an angry father. So what we do is we project that onto God and our response to God is like how we respond to our earthly father. And we see him as unmerciful. Some of us see God right now as uncaring. It's like, where was God when my father died? Where was God when this happened? Where was he when I needed him most? And they perceive God as this impersonal force that doesn't care about them. And so because they think God doesn't care for them, it's like, well, I don't give a rip about him. And so their relationship with God, our relationship with God can be summed up like this. He doesn't care for me and I don't care about him. But get this, a lie believed as though it's true will affect you as if it's true. So if you believe it as it is true, it will affect you as if it were true. See, uh, there's this whole thought. What you know can help you. What you know can help you, but what you think you know can hurt you. And a lot of people have limited God and they think they know God. But here's the thing, if you're running from God, you don't know God, because if you really knew God, you'd be running to Him. Because if you really caught sight of how awesome and how amazing Jesus is, you wouldn't be running from Him, you'd be running to Him. And a lot of people don't have the right perception of who God is. And until you perceive God rightly, you'll never receive from Him. Have you gone to a distant country? Because I, I believe there's people in this room and in the areas of your life right now, you're in a distant country and God's saying, come home, come home, come home. Right now, it's like you've been dismissing this for too long. You've put up a trespass notice, no go there. You can't go there, God. But if you wanna see revival in your own life, that's the place where he needs to go. Now, here's, here's this too. Uh, he goes out, spends his inheritance on wasteful living, ends up in a pig pen, eating what pigs eat. And the Bible says he comes to his senses. You know, he's finally at dinner time, he's eating the garbage and he goes, man, there's better food at home. My, hired, my father's hired servants get treated better than this. And he goes from, at the start, he was saying, give me, give me, give me, give me. And he goes from give me to saying, make me, make me, make me. Just make me one of your hired servants. He got justice. He got what he deserved. The consequences of his actions brought him to a pig pen. But he imagined in his mind mercy. Mercy's a little less than what you deserve. How many know our God's merciful? But our God doesn't just stop at mercy because he, he, he imagined mercy. He imagined being one of his father's hired servants. Yeah, I just go back home and say, make me one of my father of his hired servants. But what he received when he got home is he received grace. He got a reception he could never imagine. His father ran to him, kissed him, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger and restored him back into the family. See, there's a difference, justice. 
is what we deserve. Mercy is a little less than we deserve. But how many know our God is a God of grace? And we've got to see Him as a God of grace. And, and He's got something good for us. See, in the story, the dinner bell went off. And, you know, how many know? Everybody wakes up when it's dinner time. It's amazing how many people's body clock kicks into gear when it's dinner time. As they can be sleeping, but as soon as it's dinner time, it's like, where's dinner? And if they don't eat on the clock, they get hangry, they get mad. They, you know, it's, it's like something happens. You know, it's something, and it happens on the clock. But listen to this in verse 15. It says, so he went out and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave it anything. But it says, listen to this, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, you know, it's like something just made him stand up and go, flip, what am I doing here? That... The son didn't hear the alarm until he was in the pig pen. Here's what I'm praying right now. I'm praying that a generation wouldn't need to be in a pig pen to wake up. I pray that we'd be able to say to a generation, you don't need to go there to wake up to the reality of who the father is. Right now, there's a lot of desperation around and we're reaping in a lot of places what we've sowed because we dismiss God out of schools. We dismiss God out of many areas of our life. You walk apart from God, you'll find yourself in a distant country and there'll come a time where you'll end up in a pig pen. You ignore the warnings. You know, there'll come a time where you'll find yourself in a desperate place. It happened with the Israelites time and time again. You know, the first thing God will do where He'll warn you is He'll speak to your inner person. And a lot of us, we hear that voice and it comes through our conscious, but we dismiss it. And if you keep on dismissing what happens, dismissing it, your conscience will get seared where you'll no longer hear the voice of God. He'll be speaking, but it'll be like He's not. Then God will do, what He'll do is He often sends somebody along to give you a warning. So first it will start with your inner voice and then God will often tell a prophet, that's what He did in the Old Testament, a prophet will go along and He'll warn the children of Israel as to their actions. But if they dismiss that, what would happen is God would then send judgment. God in His kindness would send judgment because what you don't get by revelation, you get by situation. And sometimes it's only the pig pen is gonna be the thing that's gonna wake us up. Wake us up to the reality is that we can't do this life without God. There's many people who are good people right now. They know God, but they're living, they don't know God, they're living apart from Him. But without Jesus, you gotta hear me right now. Without Jesus, they're stuffed. Without Jesus, there's no hope. That's why we need to see a revival. That's why we need to see a shift and a change. We can't be complacent about the gospel. Come on, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings power and transformation to the human heart. Governments can't do it. Good thinking can't do it. Only God can do it. Self-help definitely can't do it. That's why we need to call out to Him. 
Oh, a lot of people go, uh, yeah, I wish somebody told me. Could it be right now that a lot of people have told you, but you weren't pre- prepared to listen? See, the, the son, he heard the alarm in the pig pen, but he didn't hear it when he was asking his father for his inheritance. He didn't ha- hear the me, the my, the I. He didn't hear it on the raging weekends when he was wasting that inheritance. As his heart grew heavier and he became more numb, he still didn't hear it. One person said, the end of you is the beginning of God. At the end of you is the beginning of God. My question is, what brings you to the end of yourself? It can be your circumstances, but it doesn't need to be. You can bring yourself to the end of yourself. Because at the end of yourself is the beginning of God. Come on, how many want God in this place? The question is, what brings you to the end of yourself? A few years ago, we wrote up on our Facebook page, and and the question was, I stopped running from God when? It was an open-ended question. And we had a huge response. A lot of people, I, I... I stopped running from God when my parents split up and I needed Him most. I stopped running from God when my sister was diagnosed with bone cancer. That's when I turned to God. She's healed now. I stopped running from God when I, when I had depression. I stopped running from God, another person said, when He revealed Himself to me. I stopped running from God when I hit a dead end. I, I, I stopped running from God when I was spiritually bankrupt. I stopped running from God when I had nothing else in me. He picked me up and I didn't know, but He was there all along. I stopped running from God when I realized how much I misunderstood the nature and the character of who He is. Even though I'd been a Christian a long time. How did this dude not hear the alarm? And some of us right now, we're sleeping through alarms. We know of people They're just dismissing God. They're casual about God. But I really believe God wants to bring about an awakening. It may be a rude awakening, but I don't care as long as people wake up because too much is at stake for people to be asleep. You know, it's interesting. You know, we got married, I think, after five years of marriage, we started having children. And up to having children, Kathy... Uh, was quite a heavy sleeper. She would sleep through a, a lot of things. But the moment we had a baby, it's like her sleeping changed. It's like she was attuned to every noise and every sound. Before we had a baby, I was a light sleeper. But once we had a baby, I became a deep sleeper. You know, I go, wow, amazing. The baby slept right through the night. I didn't hear her crying. It was like the reverse, but she became a light sleeper and she was just attuned to every, every sound and everything that was going on. And, you know, the question is right now is, are you attuned to the voice of God? What are you sleeping through? Now, some of you, is like, you know, even when an announcement comes up about fasting, oh, well, that's not for me. Well, how much of God do you want? It should be concerning when we don't have a hunger and a desire to pursue God. 
should be concerning when there's areas of our life where we're just lukewarm. Come on, this whole gospel, the kingdom of God works off this all in, I'm all in. God, I give you every part of me, not just one part. God, if we're to see our society change, it's gonna come from a group of people who just don't dip their toe in and dip their toe out. You know, so many people put their hand in, put their hand out. The kingdom of God is not the hokey tokey. Come on, I'm all in. I'm all in on this. Ah, I don't want a Christianity that just meets my need. Because a costless Christianity is a powerless Christianity. And there's a big danger in the world that we as churches, as ministers, just appeal to a God who meets their need. Yes, God can meet you in your place of need, but He wants to take you above and beyond that. And the only way He can do that is by you surrendering everything and saying, God, I'm gonna run to you. I'm not gonna run away from you. Come on, these issues right now that some people you've been struggling with for a long time. You've just accepted it. But you know it's capping your faith. You know it's capping your relationship. Come on, don't be like this guy. We asked to get to a pig pen to wake up. You can wake up in AUT at a five o'clock service on a Sunday night. You can have a spiritual awakening right now that sets you on a new course. You can have an awakening where your life begins to have a greater impact and influence on the, on the lives of others. Because when you experience the freedom, the people around you get impacted by the life that you're living. Come on, I pray that the world looks at you and I and sees a God who's alive, a God who's real, a God who, who, who wants to do incredible things in and through our lives. Come on, that's, that's a God I know. And that's a God we need to show the world around us. God is not dead, He is alive. Come on, He's alive, He's living, He's powerful. And He wants to do something in our lives, but not just in our lives. Come on, God wants to change cities. God wants to change nations. And He wants to use you and I to do it. Now's not the time to fall asleep, but now's the time to stand up and be counted.